Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Fanboy. Today, I have my friend Josh with me. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Josh. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Good, good. So I hear you have a confession for me. I do. I have never seen The Breakfast Club. Never seen Breakfast Club? Yeah. For the listeners, The Breakfast Club is a film by Universal Pictures. It came out in 1985, a teen coming-of-age comedy drama film written, produced, and directed by John Hughes. It stars Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy as teenagers from different high school cliques who spend a Saturday in detention with their authoritarian assistant principal, played by Paul Gleason. So, why haven't you seen it? This is a classic. I I mean, I feel like all... I, I watched it, but I was around back in the 80s, so that's why I could say I saw it, but why have you not watched it? Uh, yeah, the reason why I haven't seen this movie is because, well, it came out the year I was born. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, and uh, so obviously I wasn't really watching John Hughes movies at the time. I have two older sisters who theoretically mm-hmm. could have seen this movie before me, but uh, one's only a couple years older than me, and the other one was still a little kid at the time and probably was watching, mm. you know, Disney or, you know, yeah. movies yeah. And like, I don't really remember them even into the 90s really watching this film. Like, I have some very clear memories of films that they were watching. Like, my sister was obsessed with Ghost when it came out to the point where mm-hmm. you remember how, um, like, Blockbuster and stuff like that, they'd get the movies a couple months ahead of time. Sometimes you yeah. could buy the movies and she paid like a hundred dollars for a copy of Ghost. Yep. You know, so like, those are the types of movies she was watching. And for whatever reason, this one just kind of slipped through the cracks. And uh, yeah. I actually have a copy of it on uh, DVD right now. Great. And, uh, but you know, I had this copy for a couple of years and I still haven't watched it because I just keep, I'm a big physical media buff. I love Blu-ray. I love DVD. Yeah. I love physically just having the movie, you know? Yeah. I'm with you. And, you know, I tend to buy a lot at like yard sales and flea markets and stuff. So I have like, I have like over 3000 DVDs and Blu-rays in my collection of which a third of them I have not seen, even though I probably had them for like five, 10 years now. That's great. I mean, do you watch, have you watched other John Hughes films like 16 Candles or, um, you know, I've seen Home Pretty in Pink or I've seen Home Alone. Okay. And I've seen a couple of his other 90s era films, but like pretty much any of his 80s stuff, Pretty in Pink. None of the, none of the teen angst drama ones. Yeah, no, I have not seen them. Although, ironically, I have it a bit easy with The Breakfast Club because how many teen sitcom soap opera shows that have run long enough have at some point have done a Breakfast oh, yes. Club homage episode. Yep. Even, and I yeah. am kind of actually embarrassed to admit I watched the show, but even Riverdale did one a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So so you're aware of, you kind of have an idea of what it's about. To, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, you've it's, seen it's, the spoofs on it. You know, five or six kids from different social circles and different cliques in the high school are forced to have detention, and then they all kind of bond. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I assume wacky hijinks then will ensue, um, and everyone, I guess, grows or learns a lesson or something, but, you know. 
All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think to see if it lives up to your uh, you know expectations since you've heard about it for so many years and to finally watch it. So I'm going to send you off All right. to watch it and then you're going to come back and you're going to let us know what you think. So we'll be talking to you in a few minutes. All right. Yep. Sounds good. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain. And an athlete. And a basket case. A princess. And a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. All right, welcome back, Josh. You saw The Breakfast Club. What'd you think? Uh, I actually loved it. I kind of figured that because, like I'd said in, in the first part of the, of the interview, um, I figured, okay, this plot has been borrowed like a dozen different times by various shows I've seen over the years. Uh-huh. There's a possibility that this might not end up being, in, to me anyway, the best version of the story. Because like I said, I know Riverdale did it a couple of years ago. I'm sure yeah. this has done it and other like teen primetime sitcom soap opera action thriller shows have done versions of this before but no this is still the best version of this story i have seen uh yeah. which is a testament to john hughes writing and the actors you know the actors talents at that time you know yeah yeah and what's great i mean if, if you notice it's it actually takes place in one location, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. No, it you felt know? very much like a play. And, you know, I have a bit of a theater background, so I just loved seeing not just the fact it was all mostly in the one location, because I kind of love those, like, spiritual journey growth type stories that you get mm -hmm. in, like, YA fiction, uh, both TV shows and movies and books and whatnot. But I also just loved seeing, like, the different ways that the characters interacted with the space. Like, I loved seeing, like, just the weird like little fidgets that they did i mean mm -hmm. you know the one that comes to mind is um and unfortunately i can't remember any of the characters names. of course i mean it, yeah you saw they, it they, once, bar so. they barely mentioned them really but yeah uh, just tell me if it was the jock or the nerd or the okay, so the like artsy goth kid uh i forget what her name what her name was but like oh yeah she she's the yeah she's the she's the called the basket case that's Ali Sheedy is the actress's name. Uh, you see Elaine pull out the knife and stab it onto the desk. Judd Nelson, I think it was, was the yes. And like, you just see like, just at the corner of the screen in the bottom, you just see her reach over and just grab it. And cause she just steals stuff and like steal stuff. Yeah. Yep. Nobody like questions it or even like notices it. And you just constantly are seeing her just in the background, just taking things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, um, What's his name? Uh, the 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 brain. Uh, Anthony Anthony Michael Hall. Especially in the beginning, you know, when he's kind of doing these like weird, awkward fidgets, and it's like I've totally done stuff like that, where he did that weird thing with the pen, where mm -hmm. he is like sticking it in his mouth and then trying to stick it up his nose, and it's like, yep, it have has a kid have done stupid stuff like that because I'm just so bored. Yeah. Also had the same situation that he was in, where then he looks around and there's all these people staring at him, like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> 
Yeah. I think that's, I mean, tell me if you agree. I mean, these characters were written back in the early 80s, but they're still relevant to today. Oh, definitely. Every one of those characters. I knew someone like that, or I was like that myself. Yeah, like I myself, I dressed like Judd Nelson's character, but I was very much like the the Anthony Michael Hall character mixed with Uh a little bit of uh, the... Well, the basket case character. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was pretty much me in high school and like college, you know, with that, that's pretty much what I was, you know? Yeah. But I do want to know, I loved how, um, you know, after they take the, take the weed out of uh, Judd Nelson's character's locker. And mm-hmm. there's that whole thing where Emilio Estevez is like, we're not going to, we're not going to smoke that here. You're not going to smoke that here. And then of course, inevitably it cuts to the next scene. They're all smoking. <laughs> and I love that out of all of them, it's Emilio Estevez who ended up hot boxing himself in the librarian's office. But like, did, I don't know if you saw it recently as well or whatnot, but it's like, I, you know, he does that like weird, like little run around dance thing. That's like straight up mm-hmm. for madness, you know, like just this, mm-hmm. like, and it's like, I have, you know, I will admit, you know, because it's a confession show. I have my right. experimented a little bit with weed, not as much as uh-huh. others. It's still right now illegal in my part of the country, but hopefully that'll change. And, you know, I might experiment a little bit more after that. But I've <laughs> never been so, like, energized as he is. Like I said, to me, to me it was like it was like a, just a moment like, oh, here's a little bit of reefer madness. And now we're back to our story. Yeah. But no, I just, I just thought the whole thing was great. Although, you know, my favorite character, my two, two favorite characters, obviously, because he's kind of, at least in the beginning, the star of the show. I mean, it's very much an ensemble show, but he's very much the one who kind of gets everything going. So, you know, I have a lot of affection for the Judd Nelson character. Mm-hmm. But my yeah. other favorite character is probably the smallest character in the entire thing is um custodian uh what's his name oh yes yeah he just has like these great like little moments and he's only in like maybe five ten minutes in the movie but he just has these great moments with both the kids and then also with the principal and it's kind of interesting because you know the principal is also very much you know like he's acting like ah, i'm the adult i'm in control but then when he goes back to his office he's just as bored as the rest of these kids he's Mm -hmm. doing weird fidget things and you know acting pretty much just as bad as they are in terms of like his maturity level and stuff like that. I mean, he's doing all this stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, but no, I mean, I, I just love this movie. I, I kind of wish I, now I had seen it when I was younger, but I don't know if I would have appreciated it as much in the same way. Like, you know, as you age, you appreciate things differently that in, in ways you hadn't before, you know? Of course. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I mean, cause when I saw, I'm, not to interrupt you, but I mean, I was 15 when this came out. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I was like the ideal age. And I think I identified with it more. I don't know if I, I, I was a very good, naive child or mm-hmm. you know, a teenager. So, I don't know if I got all the, you know, the inside jokes and things. Yeah. And of course, I got that as I was. And I've seen this movie probably a hundred times. It's one of my mm-hmm. all time favorite movies. Okay. So, I'm glad you chose it. Cause I mean, it is really, it's the quintessential teen angst type of, yeah, yeah. you know, 80s john huge film mm-hmm. but yeah i mean that was uh i think i appreciate it in different ways as i grew older and i would watch it again and again and again obviously you know there are elements to all of the teen characters that i could relate to mm-hmm. like i said i related most to the the brainy kid even though i also related a little bit to judd nelson's character because i dressed like that more or less or like the 90s early 2000s version of that anyway you know mm-hmm. 
I was the guy in all the layers and the big heavy boots and the long coat and all that, um, <laughs> you know. But at yeah. the same time, I also kind of related to the adult characters a lot more than I probably would have or you would have would have back at the time. Because that is true. You know, yeah. it's like the principal character. It's obvious that he kind of resents these kids, and you know what? It's wasting his Saturday. So you kind of get it. Like he's a he doesn't want to be there. But you also get that he just resents these kids because of the whole generational thing. And right now I'm at a point in my life where, you know, I not that I resent kids that I, but it's like my job right now. I there's a lot of people who are either way older than me or way mm -hmm. younger than me. And I'm kind of like an island of one in terms of my own age group. And there is a part of me that kind of does resent some of the younger kids who have been working this job a lot longer than I have because I only just started working there a couple of weeks ago. Part of it's because obviously they're just more experienced, but also part of it's like, you know, just that, that age difference thing where it's like, you know, I'm in this weird situation where it's like, you know, I feel like because I am older than them, I should be getting a certain amount of quote unquote respect, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'm the new guy. So like, I, I mm -hmm. really don't, you know, but I kind of get that. And there are other things obviously I've done in my life as well. Like I help out, um, friend of mine runs a theater um summer camps usually and i help mm -hmm. those but it's very it's kind of a weird isolating lonely position to kind of be in because i only come in a couple of days i don't really know the kids they don't really know me and so it, there's this weird kind of distance thing and it's very easy to kind of look at them and be like the guy on the outside and like just kind of be a little resentful and because you're in this isolated position where you don't really have a relationship with these kids, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. So I kind of get that, you know, with him, but also at the same time, it's like, well, it's also obvious he resents the kids because, well, he still wishes he was a kid in, in some mm -hmm. way, you know, like, mm -hmm. so yeah, like in a lot of ways, I kind of related to the, those adult characters more than I, you know, probably would have if I had seen this movie when I was younger. And that's a very good point. Yeah, because I didn't even, that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. That I wouldn't relate to the adults. And like you said, I, I relate to them now more since I'm older mm -hmm. than I would have when I was younger. Yeah, that's a good point. Didn't think about that. But no, I mean, like I said, I just I just love the movie. And I loved, like, everyone got to have, like, their little speech moment, you know? Like I said, mm -hmm. in the beginning, it's very much Judd Nelson's show because he's kind of the one that kind of kicks off the action of, of the story. Mm -hmm. To the point where, like, for instance, Emilio Estevez's character doesn't really have much to do because it's mostly just bouncing off of Judd Nelson until, like, like I said later on in, in the movie. Yeah. The the one character who ends up with, I think, the least to do until the very end is um, the, the basket case character. Because she has the hardest job out of all of them, which is to mostly just be quiet and react to things or just kind of be off in her own world. So it's kind of easy to just kind of forget that she's there. Mm -hmm. That being said, I have a question for you. Do you think that she sold out at the end? You know what? No, I don't. I don't think she did. I think hmm, that's a good question. Like, I, I want to say no. Okay. I want, I, I want to say that, you know, I think she was, she allowed them to bring out her true self. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she is beautiful. And, but she was covering it up by all that black makeup. True. You know, she wore the baggy clothing, mm -hmm. but she really is this tiny, cute, petite thing, mm -hmm. you know. And I think she just didn't know how to bring that out. And Mahler Ringwald's character knew how to bring that out of her. 
I don't think she changed for Emilio Estevez's character. Mm-hmm. You know, I think because I, I think he liked her before she changed. He just liked her even more. Yeah. When she, you know, when she brightened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I, I don't think I wouldn't say that she uh, sold herself out. Like, because I think on the one hand, it's easy to say, oh, well, she's you know looks completely different, and she's acting a little bit more different because well, now she's a little bit more comfortable. It's not quite that awkwardness. So it's easy to say that she did, and if she did, I think it's okay because she's young enough where she's still kind of experimenting and figuring mm-hmm. who she is. So I don't think it's a bad thing if she did. I might argue that she might have just a little bit, but I think for the most part, I think you're right. I just think that it would have been nice if she could have also still had a little bit of that goth girl artsy look into what she, you know, in what she looked. Because at the end, she just looked like, um, in a lot of ways, um, Molly Ringwald's character, but with darker hair, which makes sense to mm-hmm. Molly Ringwald's character who was styling her. So obviously, yeah. you know. We also don't know what happens five minutes after. Right. And I mean, she goes up to Emilio, she grabs his letterman, she rips it off. So yeah. she's still a klepto. Yeah. So that's not changing, you know. But uh, like, on the one hand, I'm glad that there's not a sequel, but there is a part of me that's like, wants to see two things. One, what actually happened mo- the next Monday when they all come back to school? Yep. And two, yep. I kind of want to know what happens to these characters like 20, 30 years down the road. You know, like mm. if they were to make a sequel today would be a terrible idea. But I'm just curious to see like where everybody ended up. Yeah. You know, like I feel like Judd Nelson's character, everyone's going to just assume because you know, he was the bad boy character. Oh, he's either going to be working a dead end job or be in jail or something like that. Personally, I think he was going to end up. I think that it would be funny if he was like a um, a stand up comedian because he kind of had <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait or um, uh, uh, what's his name? Dennis Leary style of just the way he kind of, you know, that kind of like 90s um, cynical comedy styles like i could see him becoming that obviously what's his name the brain characters obviously Uh either be a tech startup guy or he's going to be working for nasa or something like that you know and then like see like where everyone else ended up part of me wants to think that like emilio estevez's character is um probably like a high school gym teacher or something you know like he never really left Mm. school he just became you know a teacher something you know yeah, I can see that. You know, Molly Ringwald's character probably... She married rich. Yeah, she's living the rich life. And uh, the Basket Case character, well, she's either going to be some type of an artist or she's going to be something like completely different, like that you wouldn't expect, mm. whether it be a housewife or, you know, I, I don't know. Like she's she's one of the ones where I think it'd be most interesting to see where she ended up. Obviously, yeah. Carl, the janitor's probably still going to be a janitor. I mean, maybe not, but, you know, like, yeah, you know, the principal's probably still going to be the principal. Well, he's vice principal, so he's probably going to be principal. Yeah. By the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. It would be fun to see. And, you know, you would see their kids as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, you have Molly Ringwald in in um, Rivendell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She played. She plays. uh, She plays Archie's mom. Yeah. Archie's mom. Yeah. It was always cool to see her. Yeah, but yeah, it would be, it, you know, it would be cool to see these people. I mean, I haven't seen Judd Nelson in years. I don't even know if he's still acting. I assume he's still alive. Yeah, um, 
like I said, I, I was watching a DVD version, so I did watch some of the special features afterwards, and he was still in, you know, he was in some of those. He was, yeah. but, you know, this DVD copy I have is probably, I don't know, five, ten years old, at least, you know, or, or at least yeah. special features on it are, so, yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. So was it worth watching in the end? I mean, it's very early into the year, but it's probably the best film I've seen all year so far. That's great. And now, now do you think you're going to watch like 16 Candles or Pretty in Pink um, or some kind of wonderful? Yes, I probably will. I had to take a moment to realize like just how many John Hughes films I've seen, which like I said, was not many. Yeah. I had seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off and I had seen uh, the Home Alone films and there might have been one other one, but that was about mm. it really. But uh, no, I definitely want to see, you know, Pretty in Pink and 16 Candles and even some of the more family, quote unquote, like hasn't mm -hmm. is the cast, you know, um, yeah. like I've never seen Uncle Buck, which is one everyone says. It's so good. Yes. I've never seen Planes, Trains and Automobiles. So that's another one that I should see. Yep. And, you know, like I said, most of his 80s films, I just have not really seen. So, yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad this was in an, an introduction to the early John Hughes films for you. Yes, yes. And uh, if you want to do another one, you know, you got more to confess. You can always come oh, back. For, oh, uh, certainly, certainly. For another episode, if you're going to watch more of them. All right. So, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad yep. you uh, confessed your uh, Breakfast Club lack of viewing. But I guess you corrected that, so now yep. you can say you've seen it. So that's oh. awesome. All right. All right. So thank you again. I really appreciate it, Josh. And I guess we'll be seeing you around for another uh, confession. Oh, definitely. Yep. Until next time, guys. Take care. Check out the latest podcast to hit this quadrant: the Geek Roundtable. Join hosts as they sit down with fellow geeks to talk, well, geek. Star Wars, Star Trek, cosplay, fantasy, anime, Firefly, even My Little Pony. If it's geeky, we'll discuss it. King Arthur had his roundtable for his knights. And now it's time for us geeks to have ours. Come join in the fun and geek out with the Geek Roundtable. Find us on iTunes by searching The Geek Roundtable. Or visit our website, thegeekroundtable.com. That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. Attention, attention. Are you a fan of MASH, one of the most groundbreaking television series in history? Then take a listen to the MASH 4077 podcast, where hosts discuss their thoughts episode by episode. They will also share with you some little-known behind-the-scenes information, trivia, and so much more. So come and find them on iTunes by searching MASH 4077 podcast or online at www.mash4077podcast.com. 
Confessions of a Fanboy is a geeky fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivative, work 3.0 United States license. All rights reserved. Confessions of a Fanboy.